turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The book of Revelation, it's quite clear that Jesus Christ has the key to the Stargate. He can open it for you and me, and he can take us through it. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled Stargate. That's Stargate, and you can find it online in its entirety without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast here today. Let's get underway, and here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we are grateful today for the Son of God. We're grateful that in Jesus... We don't have to bargain with you anymore. We don't have to try and climb up to you. That you have come down. And right here is where you find us. And where we recognize it. And we say we find you. And we love you. Show us the door to the stars today. In Jesus' name, amen. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had this to say about a gate. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you are sure to wake up somebody. You know, there are many gates in this world, and some of them are intended to awaken the gods. In fact, gates can have this tremendous symbolic significance. The gate of Ishtar, you can go to the Pergamon Museum in East Berlin, it is right there today. It's been preserved, transported, reconstructed, so we can see what this mighty gate was that led into Babylon. It was created by Nebopalatzer, the father of Nebuchadnezzar, and it was one of the pieces, the elements that made that city one of the great wonders of the world. It is blue, the color of lapis lazuli, like the blue sky, because the people who built the Ishtar gate wanted you to believe that when you came to Babylon, when you entered through that gate, you were coming to heaven, that somehow Babylon was a place where heaven and earth met. There are also modern gates that impress those who pass through them, like the Brandenburg Gate, which is just outright beautiful. In Jordan, you can find Hadrian's Arch, which is also beautiful, but a little weather-worn these days. I've been to Rome. Have you ever seen the Arch of Titus? Ever been to Rome? You've gone right under it. You look up and you can see history carved right there on that arch. You can see the candlesticks that were taken when Titus and his armies invaded Jerusalem and burned the temple down. The Romans taking the treasures to Rome from the temple of Jerusalem. So it's history there. But there are other ways of viewing a gate. The great pyramids of Giza, you think of those as these monuments, but in a sense, they're considered gates. They were aligned astronomically to resemble the prominent stars of Orion and other aspects so that the passageways that come out of them, the air ducts, would align with the light from the stars. In fact, these great shafts were to operate sort of as a door for the pharaohs to ascend in the afterlife to Orion and other places so they could take their place with the gods. 
It was a gateway. It was considered such. In similar fashion, the stone hinge was built to track the stars and to somehow reach heaven by aligning with them. And the sun at the summer solstice and the equinoxes were all measured by this tremendous stone hinge. The oldest temple in the world, though, has been recently discovered. It was found in Anatolia in southern Turkey. It's north of Syria. It's hard to go there because bombs can get in. It's about five miles from the Syrian border. It was excavated by the German archaeologist Klaus Schmidt beginning in 1996. One-fifth of this huge site has been excavated, and it's unbelievable what they have found. It's Gobekli Tepe is the name of the monolithic structure, the site, that it possibly, now hear what I'm saying, possibly predates the flood. This is perhaps an antediluvian structure because the whole thing has been covered with sediment as if a flood hit it. It was built to align with the stars. Now, secular archaeologists tell us that thing's 12,000 years old. It predates history of the Egyptians, of Samaria, of the Babylonians. I'm telling you, you may be looking at an antediluvian structure right there. And those people who ever built it, built it to align with the stars. At the site, these stone circles that were assembled in different patterns, some of them looked like galaxies, as if they had astronomical knowledge. In the middle of this monolithic structure, two T-shaped stones that look like people without faces, with hands, stand prominent. And there's an indication that these two stones are meant to be holding hands at some alignment of the stars. You know, it's amazing. I mean, you can go back as far as human history has a record of something grand and great. And there it is, the oldest temple in the world. And there's a sense that somehow we need a gateway to the stars. Somehow we need to find a way to connect back to heaven. Now, when I was a boy, I read a novel by Arthur C. Clarke called 2001 A Space Odyssey. How many of you ever heard of that? I mean, it's part of American culture, really. The book was made into a film in 1966 that carried the same name. It is considered Stanley Kubrick's greatest production ever, and it's considered one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm not sure I concur, but I'm simply stating the facts of history. It really says a lot about religion. In fact, Arthur C. Clarke was well-read in religion, so it bleeds through this archetypical novel of how extraterrestrials interact with the earth and so on, and religion is somehow in the mix. The story goes something like this. Millions of years ago, which we don't believe is true because we believe in the Bible, that God created the heavens and the earth in seven days, right? Okay. But in the movie, millions of years ago, apes in Africa find a black monolith that looks like something from Stonehenge or Gobekli Tepe. And somehow that black monolith helps apes to become men and learn to kill with a jawbone. And so the jawbone gets thrown in the air. And then after the movie shifts, it's something in space twirling. Tools have changed from jawbones to spaceships. So it moves fast forward in the movie to the surface of the moon where the monolith appears again before modern astronauts who have discovered it on the surface of the moon. And then it's on to Jupiter where the monolith is found in space between Jupiter and the moon Io waiting to open up as a stargate to a realm unknown. After duking it out with Hal, a computer gone crazy on the spaceship, Commander David Bowman takes a space pod to the monolith, the black monolith, which opens up into a stargate. And the most famous line of the movie that is iconic to this day, I'll not repeat it fully because I treasure God's name, but Commander David Bowman says, Oh my, and you know what he says, it's full of stars. And then he disappears into the black monolith. 
And as the gate opens, Commander David Bowman, his space pod is seen no more as he hurtles through the stars toward an unknown destination as light and space and time do crazy things before his eyes. And when it's all over, when the journey's over, he arrives on the other side and he finds himself in a room that looks like a museum with a bed in it. And there the tired astronaut lies down on the bed and goes to sleep where he ages on the bed in front of your eyes. He ages in that bed until the time comes for him to die. And then the monolith appears again before the bed. And in that room, deep in outer space, Commander David Bowman is born again as a star child. You see, you can't tell me that Arthur C. Clarke was not reading his Bible. He's trying to infuse Bible ideas into science fiction. The idea that somehow, if you can climb up to the gods, if you can reach them far enough, you get to be reborn as a star child. And then at the end of the movie, he comes back without his spaceship. He's able to move the great distance between time and space to move and find his spot in the universe at will because he's been given the power of the gods. He becomes a star child. Friend, you can go back in time to Gobekli Tepe and you can go forward in time to today. You can read the kind of thing that Arthur C. Clarke put together and it's apparent that universal to the human desire is this need to somehow open up the sky and find God and have a new beginning. Arthur C. Clarke was no believer in Christ, no evidence of this, and yet you see the yearning there is still there in the work that he produced. The book of Revelation is quite clear that Jesus Christ has the key to the stargate. He can open it for you and me, and he can take us through it. Open your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation 3, verse 7. The Bible says unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the, how does it read? Of the Holy One. Now that's Jesus. And then it says the true one who has what? The key of David who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. Now I can say without apology today that Jesus Christ has the ability to open heaven's door for you and me. It's huge. That you do not need to be left on the outside of God's love. You have a future in Jesus Christ. In the Bible, Jesus has the key to open the gate and Jesus has the key to shut the gate. Therefore, Christ is the critical component in the life of the believer. The Bible also teaches that Jesus is the door to God. We don't get to God unless we come to God somehow through Christ. There are people who know God in eternity who never had a Bible, who had no clue of any kind of religion, but somehow the Spirit of Christ was moving on their hearts and they will awaken in the resurrection chosen by God Christ reaches people on his own terms. John 10 verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, what does the text say? That man is a thief and a robber. I don't want to get to heaven through any other means than Jesus Christ. I don't want to look good in the church at the expense of not knowing Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, look at your Bible. What does it say? He might be saved. He could be saved. He will be saved. This is the language of certainty. If we enter the door through Jesus, who is the door, we will learn, we will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the door. I'm looking for a heavenly land to graze in. I don't know about you. I've seen a lot of death this year. I don't like it. I don't like suffering. I don't like the struggle of having to deal with things that are crazy. You ever have crazy things come at you, happen to you this week? Crazy things? 
Imagine a world where the next day is better than the last. Where your dreams get fulfilled a little more every day and you move into eternity and there are new horizons to challenge you. New relationships to deepen into. Love that goes on and on. And you know God better the next day than you did the before. Friend, I want to be found in another realm one day where the grass is greener and the fields are just right for running free and feeling the wind in my face and looking to the face of God and smiling because the sunshine is brighter there. You know, people want to get to heaven in so many different ways these days. People want to climb up to God on their own. You know, we have ladder builders in the Christian church. People try to work their way up by looking good and by proving themselves to God or to others in the church. They hope to do something that will help them find God. Now, we need doers in the church. There's no doubt about this. In fact, I think the church has been smitten in the last days with people wanting to come, enjoy the benefits of the church, and do nothing for it. You know, the church needs people who will pitch in, make a difference, find that place where they can really move things for God. And then the church is awakened by that. But you know, even if that occurs, as essential as it is, we must never substitute that for the grace of God in our life. We are accepted because of what Christ has done for us, not because of what we achieve. So they hope to do something that will help them find God, not realizing that God needs no help to find them. Jesus' friend holds the key to the stargate because Jesus is the door. Only Jesus can open the stargate and only Jesus can open the door. Now, we worship God who comes to us. You know, some people say, well, I feel like God has rejected me. I've had times in my life where I felt like the Lord had let go of me, utterly let me go. And, you know, He can in a way. He can let go of you to discipline you. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. I've had times in my life where I felt like the Lord had let go of me utterly let me go. And you know, he can in a way. He can let go of you to discipline you. But his love never lets go of you. Because his discipline is the cord of love. So when the Lord rejects, as Jeremiah says, the generation of his wrath, the cord of love still has a space tether on him. Because when he lets them go, it is to pull them back tighter and closer to his heart. So we worship a God who comes to us, who pulls us in because we cannot climb up to him. God told Moses in Exodus 20 that his people were never to build an altar with steps up to it. He says, if you build an altar like that with steps up to it and you walk up that altar, you defile it. You are to put it on level ground. And he was saying, look, when you build an altar of plain stones, don't make it pretty. Don't carve on it, hack on it. Don't make 
art objects on it. Just make it rocks on the ground. Put a lamb there and let it die on the ground. And I will come down to you where you pray on level ground in humility and simplicity because I am by nature a personal God, not Einstein's God that is Hegel's God of the distant universe. I'm a personal God who comes to you when you pray. And so God told Moses at the burning bush, I have come down to take my people out of Egypt to the land that I have promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Japheth, a good land flowing with milk and honey. Now, a land of milk and honey was considered the land of the gods. He says, I'm taking you to a place that eventually will be the place where extraterrestrials live. In John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they might have life and have it, how does the text read? Abundantly. We're not talking about a shallow existence. We're talking about meaningful, deep living. John 1.9, John writes, The true light that enlightens every man was doing what? Was coming into the world. I mean, Christ has come as light and life for us. So the God who is distant in Christ has come close to us. The Bible reads like a science fiction novel, but it's not fiction at all. I was in someone's home this week. They're telling me how wonderful these science fiction novels are. And I used to read a lot of them. I don't read any of them anymore. But I understand what, because it can draw your imagination into them and the like. And I made the statement, you know, the fact is that science fiction novels aren't nearly as science fiction-y as the Bible, which is not fiction. I mean, you have cosmic stuff there. A lot of these science fiction books are borrowing Bible themes to get their plot lines. Consider this. In the Bible, it describes a cosmic war in Revelation 12 that began in outer space a long time ago in a place far, far away. It sounds like Star Wars, doesn't it? And it tells the tale of a powerful extraterrestrial being who became a rebel in the realm, the dark side, and an evil, unpredicted one. A great archangel became an invader, and he became part of the rebels, and he came to this earth to mess it up and to steal the planet away from God, away from the alliance of worlds. It all talks about another extraterrestrial being who was more than his equal, who was an extension of God himself, who created the planet, and who finally came in human form as Jesus to die for this planet, to win it back to the family of free worlds, and to engage this extraterrestrial evil one in the Garden of Gethsemane at the cross so he could take it back. And in this story, the monolith is not a black stone in the desert of Africa on the moon. The stargate in this story is the rock of ages who became a human being. The T-shaped monolith is not at Gobekli Tepe. The T-shaped monolith is the cross of Christ. That's where God, that's where the universe interacts with us directly. And that's where heaven opens up the gate. In the Bible, the stargate has come down. He has opened the door to God because He is the door. And when Jesus died on the cross, I mean, you remember what the New Testament says. It says the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Josephus says 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem, the great stone lintel at the entrance of the temple, there was only one veil at the temple in the second temple period. It was thousands of pounds. It cracked suddenly. And that meant that one half of that veil fell to the earth and was shredded before the eyes of all. And he didn't see it, but he records it because it had left its impression upon the Jewish people. So as Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, and as the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, Hebrews 10 says that Christ is the veil. His flesh is the veil. And so as the door to the temple was shredded open, Christ died. It is finished. At the same moment, 
It meant that with His death, the veil, the door was open and heaven was open to us. And the way to God was established again. Stargate. The book of Revelation boldly proclaims that there is an open door in heaven. And Jesus is the way through that open door because He is the door. Dear heart, Christ is in the business of opening doors to God in your life. Do you hear me? He's in the business of opening doors to God in your life. Revelation 3.8, Jesus encourages the church of Philadelphia to go through that door. Look at it again. Revelation 3.8, I know your works. He could say that to you. I know your works. You struggle. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Friend, God opens the door to heaven for people who can't open the door on their own. And that's all of us. Those of us who are weak, I'm weak. I'm not a strong Christian. Are you a strong Christian? I'm a weak Christian that needs God's strength. I'm a weak Christian who needs to rely on the living Lord. And that's why I need to read my Bible. I woke up this morning and I take Bible Gateway out. That's the first thing I do in the morning. I listen to about 45 minutes of the Bible before I get out of bed. And then I'll read it throughout the day or whatever. But I have to get that in my head. I have to have the Word of God, which is the presence of God in my life, before I pop out of bed. That's how this preacher works. And I have to keep it in my mind or I can fall like you can fall. Because I am a weak Christian without the living power of Christ in my life. And those who are weak in their own eyes are those who are best able to get through the door because they must rely on Jesus to open the door because Christ is the way. And those are the only kind of people who get into God. You see, it's not spiritual superstars who punch a hole through eternity. It's those who rely on Christ to be their power and strength who find God. Revelation 1.10, Jesus appears with the keys in His hand and His voice is heard like a trumpet on the Lord's Day, the Holy Seventh Day Sabbath. In Revelation 4.1, there's an open door that follows. Now notice the connection to the one who has the trumpet voice. After this, I looked and lo, in heaven an open door. At the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up hither and I will show you what must take place after this. You see, Christ is calling John the Revelator through the open door into heaven because his flesh, his veil was shredded at the cross and thus the door is open. And thus in trumpet tones, he calls John up to God. Now don't you want to go up there with John? Don't you want to be in the presence of God with John? It's an inviting call. John was taken in vision through that open door, which is the stargate into the presence of God himself. John stood in another realm where God is at and where Jesus is found to the eye of faith. And there he found worship, joy, faith, love, instruction, angels who are brethren, God the Father, the seven spirits of God, which are the Holy Spirit. And there he found the comfort of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our advocate and high priest. He found acceptance beyond the door because the door opens up to God and Jesus is the door. I mean, don't tell me the book of Revelation doesn't have the gospel in it. That's the gospel. Christ is the door that ended the quarantine of planet Earth. Because of Jesus, friend, you can get on your knees today and you can pray and God hears you and God accepts you if you're humble, surrendered up. And that feeble prayer and weakness and sincerity becomes something God listens to in the courts of heaven. And He talks back through His Word and through the love of others and through providences in your life. God loves you. I had a door that I had opened once. To me, 
my entire life rotates around what happened at that door. When I was 15 years of age, as many of you know, I found my father at the age of 15. God actually found me and put me to the door where my father was at. I was 15 years old, didn't know where he was, hadn't known where he was since I was five or six. And one day I found myself at the hospital he would die in, and his name was on the door, Leroy Oxentanko. I entered the door with my father's name on it, and I found my father beyond the door. Friend, God has given us Jesus. Jesus is the door to God. The Father's name is in the Son. It's on the door. And when we open the door, when we come to God through Christ, we find the Father on the other side because no man comes to the Father but through the Son of God. Dear heart, you can't get into heaven unless God gets you into heaven. You can't come to God unless He pulls you on that great tether toward Him. He pulls you through the door with the Holy Spirit, but His name is on the door. Well, we need to leave it there for the first portion of Stargate. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Make sure you join us again next time when we complete this broadcast. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.